0: Oh, hello. It's your friend's ex-husband, who admittedly made the best guacamole in the friend group, Allie Ward, back with a very just sumptuous episode of Ologies. So we have talked a lot about the noggin on this podcast, but what about butts? Why do we have them? How do they work? Why do we want to touch them? We're going to Dive pretty deep after I thank Patreon supporters, of course, at patreon.com slash ologies and everyone who subscribes and rates and, of course, reviews ologies for me to select a newborn review, such as this one from Miss Fairy Princess this week, who wrote in that ologies has made me realize that every subject is interesting. You just need to talk to someone who loves what they do. Bonus, there are transcriptions and bleeped episodes for those who think swear words are inappropriate around certain company. Available on alleyward.com to make sure it's accessible for everyone. Exclamation point. Well timed review, Miss Fairy Princess. Thank you. Let's crack into this episode. Let's get into it. Gluteology, study of butts. We're here. It's happening. Life is beautiful. Okay. So in Greek, gluteos means the rump. And the word butt comes from the end of a piece of something. But if you Google gluteology, you will find that we are not the first to use it in reference to all matters ours. So if you look up the word rumpology, side note, you'll find that that is a related. But somewhat more spiritual discipline. But don't worry, we will fill in those cracks for you. So, this ologist is a primatologist, an anthropologist, a science host, and correspondent. You may have heard her on Star Talk or Nat Geo Wild's Everything You Didn't Know About Animals. She's co-hosted Curiosity Daily and more. And we met years ago uh, at a Nerd Brigade dinner, and I'd always lamented that there couldn't be a second primatology episode. But she emailed me recently reminding me that she has appeared on TV to talk specifically about butts, as that is her specialty. So I welcomed gluteology with open arms. So stick around to learn. What exactly is a butt? Which animal has the largest butt? Cultural butt problem? preferences, why many people enjoy the aesthetics of ass, squatty potties, trends, hairiness, shady injections, personal, very personal revelations, butt versus legs, and of course, the importance of self-acceptance and plenty of very cheeky puns with entertainer, primatologist, and gluteologist, Natalia Reagan.
1: Butts, 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 butts. I've been doing it to shots. Butts, 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 butts. I'm rearing and ready to get behind this topic. I'm sorry it took us so long to get here, Allie. We're gonna get to the bottom of a lot of questions.
0: Um, first thing I'm gonna make you do is say your first
1: and last name and your pronouns. I'm Natalia Reagan, and my pronouns are she and her. You are, I think, a gluteologist, if I looked into
0: it the right way. You could be a rumpologist (laughs) or a gluteologist.
1: I'm thinking gluteologist because uh, rumpologist, I've only found a few, and I definitely don't necessarily want to be lumped in with those rumps, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Rumpology is more like palm reading, but for the buttocks. Yeah, more astrology, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was able to do some digging. I went real (laughs) deep in there into the cracks and crevasses. And uh, Sylvester Stallone's mom, Allie, Jacqueline Stallone, or Jackie Stallone, uh, is a rumpologist. And she claims that the Babylonians, the Greeks did this. But there is no back story or history (laughs) other than what she's done. She and Ulf. Buck, who is a blind clairvoyant out of Germany, who also feels the naked tushes of his friends to give them uh sort of uh fortune telling of what to expect from the future from the literal past, which is behind them. Oh my god. Oh, I should also note, honestly, Ali, go to her website because there's she does uh she has I think four examples of different butts. <gasps> and one of them is I think it says American Action Hero, and I'm just like Oh, Oh, come on. my God. (laughs) Did she put her son's (laughs) butt there?
0: (laughs) Is it in a diaper from when he was a (laughs) bib? Oh, my God. Okay, wait. Jackie (laughs) Stallone. She's really capitalizing on it. And she has
1: very strong opinions about the cleft or the crack in a butt and what that means. And one of my favorite things she said was that, um, was it the lawyers had the long... Yeah, long cracks. The short cracks belong to – wait, hold on. No, bankers – yeah, bankers had short cracks. Lawyers had long cracks. (gasps) The width of a crack also was sort of associated (sighs) with professions. A politician had a wide crack. Uh, Cops had a narrow one. Oh, my
0: God. There's a very hairy Fortune 500 CEO, female (laughs) movie star. You're right. Male action hero movie star – I think I can see just a whisper of scrote in that. And Adrian. Wow.
1: Wow. Wow. (laughs) That will be the only the only cologne Stallone will wear.
0: (laughs) Okay. PS, I looked it up. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the late Jackie Stallone passed into the great behind four months ago. So if I ever do rumpology, I will have to hunt down one of her proteges to read my rump. Should I do it? Should I? You know what? Let's all move forward and let's just get down to business. (laughs) So you are a gluteologist, we'll say. (laughs) We've established (laughs) that, I think. Now- How did you get into studying butts and monkeys and primate butts? And I mean, what even is a butt?
1: What is a butt? I was always a fan of butts as a child only because I remember actually I bit my mom on the butt at a restaurant once and I called it I I watched Sesame Street and I remember they did like love pinches and love bites and so I I gave her a a love bite and I remember (laughs) that was the first time I actually had to apologize you know when your parents make you apologize Mm -hmm. and that's you kind of remember that being a really pivotal moment where you're like I did something bad I'm sorry Mm -hmm. it was because I bit my mom on the butt.
0: I bet she (laughs) I bet she loves the story now though
1: I don't even know if she remembers. I wonder if she does. When I talk to her next, I'm gonna have to ask. Yeah. As a kid, though, I mean, I I was I never had that bean beanpole phase. I always was kind of like a just sort of a, a muscular kid. And I remember even like a babysitter of mine complimenting my um, shapely legs. And I was eight. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> and it was she was like a grandma, so it wasn't meant any way other than just like you're not a string bean. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to junior high, I remember. Everybody, you know, back back in the day, this is the early 90s, flat butts were all the rage. And then I remember I kind of had a shelf that my friends used to joke about all the time. I got made fun of a lot by my, my girlfriends. And um, and then I remember Baby Got Back came out. It's so round, it's like out there. <laughs> and I remember just loving that song and Rump Shaker. There were a lot of songs in the early '90s that I definitely was uh, hip to, and really—I um, mean, that still shows you how d- dorky I am. I said hip to, but um, <laughs> yeah. And then as I got older, I, I really enjoyed understanding the evolution of how humans became, uh, you know, and, and, and look the way we do today, how we evolved. And I remember when I realized um, in a paleoanthropology, in a uh, actually it was in an intro to biological anthropology class that I first was taught that basically walking on two legs led to the bigger booty in humans versus non-human primates. Aha. Yeah, walking on two legs because basically, non human primates, monkeys and apes and uh, lemurs and lorises, don't have a a sweet peachy keister like we do. Um, They have, some actually have ischial callosities. Uh, Many of the circopithecoids are what we have been calling old world monkeys, but we're moving away from that term because it's inherently a little mm, outdated. Yeah.
0: So, an ischial callosity, by the way, is a fancy term for those butt pads on some primates, and it's coming from ischial of the ischia which is part of your pelvis, the part that your yoga teacher may have called your sit bones during a yummy stretch, and callosity as in big old callus. So some primates have these large disc pads that they sit on, but we have luscious cleaved cushions.
1: Why? But um, yeah, so we actually have this butt because uh, we have to walk on two legs and the, the increased size of the gluteus maximus, medius, and minimus muscles help support that mode of locomotion. So they help stabilize our uh, ability to walk and stand and bend over and do sor- all sorts of things. Um, uh, although I did find out that they do not, and they're not necessarily used uh, in twerking, believe it or not, oh. it's more pelvic. Really? Uh, glute Yeah, I, I, yeah. So glutes are not as used as you thought as you think for something like twerking which i thought oh that's got to be you know that's why i can't do it my glutes are not strong enough <laughs> but apparently it's my pelvis
0: <laughs> really okay side note i looked into this and someone calling herself the twerking technician offers workshops workshops if you will teaching quote the basic anatomy of the hips which muscles are used for adduction and abduction and specific isolation exercises so you can gain the ability to communicate with these muscles for a proper twerk and no Miley Cyrus did not invent twerking with her 2013 legendary VMA appearance it blossomed not surprisingly undercredited from the West African dance the mapuka which may have originated from the bump Either way, booty shaking's roots start in the hips.
1: Yeah, it's less about the actual gluteus muscles and more about the actual pelvis and the, the movement of it. And the butt gets, you know, gets jiggled around as you move your pelvis and your legs, you know, being the behind. Um, that gets <laughs> that, you know, the, the, the rump shaking, if you know what I mean.
0: Oh, this is so good. This means there's room for improvement and we know there where we is. Go now. Mm -hmm. Amazing.
1: Now, okay, you became a
0: primatologist and an anthropologist. How did you end up studying this from going, uh, having shapely legs and biting butts to becoming a professionalologist? How'd you do it?
1: (laughs) That's a really good question. Uh, So yeah, growing up, I used to actually have, well, I should change that. I still have recurring King Kong nightmares. (gasps) Uh, I started having them when I was about two or three, very, very, very young. I watched that movie probably too young, but I would hear the footsteps coming and and would, you know, run to the center of the house where there was no windows. And I remember King Kong would just rip off the roof of the house and eat my family one by one by one.
0: So in Natalia's Nightmares, King Kong would straight up eat her like a granola bar. And so she started to try to control the narrative of her dreams, shrinking King Kong down to a more snuggly ape. And in one dream...
1: But I opened the door and it was an orangutan and it hugged me. And ever since then, I was enamored with primates. And just it was almost like Stockholm Syndrome, where all of a sudden I was just in love and didn't have that fear. And so I wanted to be a zoologist, but as I got older, and I think this happens a lot with... You know, it, not just with young girls in STEAM, but anybody that wants to do STEAM or STEM, uh, they don't excel in math and science when they get to junior high and high school, and so they just feel, you know, defeated, and they, you know, pick a different path, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I was like, oh, I'm not doing great in math and science, mostly math, and so I be, I threw myself into the one thing I was good at, which was at the time comedy and theater, because you know, being a shapely kid. <laughs> read Husky. I was definitely having to turn to comedy to deflect any sort of bullying and things like that. So I became a theater dork and I ended up going to school for theater, but took an anthropology class my first year at UC Irvine, go anteaters. And I fell in love with biological anthropology, just the idea of how did we get to where we are um, and how are are we still evolving because we are, we haven't stopped. And same with every other species out there. So, um, but while I remember taking this biological anthropology class, I just became fascinated with how the environment shapes us. And then even like our mode of locomotion shapes the way we look. I became obsessed with the idea that we got butts from walking on two legs and same with getting (laughs) boobs, you know, which we'll get to, we'll uh, get to the breast tale ever told (laughs) shortly.
0: We're going to get to boobs in a hot floppy second, but first... I want to know when it comes to biological anthropology and how evolution and our environment kind of shapes us, I'm still trying to get my head around the butt and walking upright. Do we need those butt muscles to be pulling on parts of our legs like a puppeteer? How do they even, are they working like levers? How
1: does that work? It's basically, yeah, that's a great question. It's basically allowing the way it connects, it allows the hips to sort of stabilize in place. And so non-human primates also have gluteus maximus medius and minimus muscles, but the glutes, uh, gluteus maximus, specifically attaches at a different place on the pelvis. It attaches on the ischium. Now Mm -hmm. on humans, it attaches on the ilium, which is the top portion of the pelvis. And that allows us to have more stability and kind of maintain our balance. So Natalia explained that
0: chimpanzees, our closest genetic relative, have glutes, but they are much less beefy than ours because they stick their little rumps out behind them, but our muscles need to be strong enough to help us balance upright so that we don't just topple over every time we take a step. So Natalia bounced around at college, narrowing down her passion and working in TV and live theater as she went.
1: When I graduated from undergrad, I knew that I loved primates. I had fallen in love with the field of anthropology, but I didn't quite know how or where I was going to go next. I was going to apply to grad school, and I wanted to stay in, for my thing was primate conservation. I wanted to not only learn about the monkey butts, mm-hmm. but also conserve. You can't you can't study the monkey butts <laughs> if the monkey butts are extinct. So, yes. So I ended up going to grad school to focus on conservation of uh, monkey butts. Oh, and what kind of questions does it answer for you as a human? Looking at non-human primates as, say, a model for human behavior can be a slippery slope. It could be great because you could actually learn a lot from what we do based on what they do. But we have to remember is that they've been evolving this whole entire time that we have we split off from a common ancestor. Say, so, for instance, it's easy to go, oh, well, look at chimpanzee behavior. That's so cool. That explains why we do what we do. But we come from a common ancestor with chimpanzees, and chimps might have behaved totally, I mean, theoretically, pro- probably not super different from the way be- they behave now, but they might. Mm-hmm. Seven million years ago, they could have been behaving differently. So it's hard to kind of look at that behavior and be like, oh, that's why we do what we do now. Because like I said, the environment shapes so much of how we we look and also how we behave. Uh, but So for me, it's a mixture of at first, I think when I was younger, it was looking at them as models for human behavior, but now I just find them intrinsically interesting, just like I find frogs fascinating. I, I know that you, Allie, love bugs. I love bugs <laughs> too, right? I mean, it's they. I, I learn a bunch about them, but I don't necessarily, it's not because I want to understand how they relate to humans.
0: But before grad school, when she was just 19, she was still finding her footing, if you will. And after our interview, she realized she forgot to tell me this story. So I had her send me a voice memo because it's
1: really something. I then started taking night classes at Santa Monica College and fell in love with biological anthropology. I took archaeology. I took zoology. It was one of those things where I was like, holy crap, this is what I want to do, but I didn't really know how to actually pursue it. And By the way, if you live in Los Angeles, Santa Monica College is excellent go there. It's it's fantastic. And then I got hit by a truck as a pedestrian on the shoulder of the freeway and everything changed. So I was on the 101 freeway and traffic slowed. I slammed on my brakes, but they locked and I rear-ended the person in front of me. Now the next exit on this freeway was An entrance to another freeway because normally I would just get off at the next exit because I hate the shoulder of the freeway. I know how dangerous it is. But the car in front of me who I rear-ended pulled over onto the shoulder and I pulled over behind them because I didn't want them to think it was a hit and run. That's when a woman came up on the shoulder going about 65 miles per hour, hit my truck, my truck hit me, broke my femur and then pinned me between the truck and the car that I had rear-ended and that crushed my lower right leg And then the way she hit me, my truck spun out, and I got tossed onto the off-ramp onto my head, which explains so much. Anyways, next the ambulance comes, and of course they have to cut off all my clothes. That's where the lack of underwear becomes a thing. I basically put on a show for the EMTs and the entire contents of the 101 Freeway. You're welcome. But they took me to the ER and had to do a couple blood transfusions because I lost a lot of blood. And because I had a crush injury to my lower right leg, they couldn't cast my femur. So they inserted a rod into it and they took it out about two years later and I got to keep it. So I have this big purple titanium femoral rod on my mantle right now. <laughs> Very dorky. But yeah, so that that accident was the catalyst to get my butt back to school. Some people need a kick in the butt. I just needed to get hit by a 94 Ford Ranger. But I'm not suggesting that you get hit by a truck. Please don't let that happen to you. It's really not good. In fact, if you're ever in an accident, get off the freeway altogether. Don't get on the shoulder. Stay off the shoulder. But seriously, that was the impetus to go back to school and really throw myself into the work that I wanted to do. It was challenging because I still had these long-term effects from the accident. I had foot drop in my right leg. The way it healed, I had a massive limp. And the only way I could walk normal was wearing heels. And I wore a leg brace for a pretty long time. I have a bit of a limp still. Mm, it's hard to tell unless I'm wearing completely flat shoes. If I wear heels, it evens it out. But as an anthropologist, all this stuff was fascinating to me. I love understanding you know, how my... Missing tibialis anterior muscle affects all my movement, because I do notice, like when I did field work, I had to use a walking stick because I called myself the Jack Tripper of Primatology because, wow, I fell uphill, going downhill. I f- fall on flat surfaces. It is a problem, and it's because of my injuries. And it my injuries taught me about anatomy and 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 the ability to walk on two legs or the inability. and, what that means so and also it shows i think how resilient bodies are like i don't i don't know if i should be alive i mean i got hit by a truck going 65 miles per hour darn it but bodies are really freaking strong and so i, I try to remember that when anytime i get down on myself or oh man i wish i could do this or that or run a marathon it's like eh, you chased monkeys after getting hit by a truck you're cool another strange side effect from the accident one butt cheek is slightly bigger than the other. Yes. I think it's because one leg is compensating for the other and it's just spread to my butt cheeks. And so one's just a better pillow, you know? And these are the things that have happened to my body that make me, A, appreciate it, like, hey, you've survived, but also make me really interested in anatomy and just how everything is connected. So once she was back on
0: her feet, she went through undergrad. And of course, she became a primatologist, going full steam ahead into the Panamanian forest.
1: Oh, goodness. So I did fieldwork. Like I said, I wanted to study gorillas, but then I had to pivot and just kind of do the next best thing. And luckily, my advisor at Cal State Northridge, Dr. Christina Campbell, she studied spider monkeys on BCI, an island in the Panama Canal. And she just gotten in contact with an organization on the Azuero Peninsula in Panama, and they needed somebody to literally do a survey of spider monkeys. So I moved to Panama to basically count monkeys in trees and get as much data as I could about, you know, their age, their sex, and any distinguishing characteristics. And um, so it was a magical time. We basically would go out every day, anywhere between 8 to 12 to 15 hours a day, oftentimes on horseback to get to the actual forest fragments because basically it was a heavily deforested area of Panama that also was right in the best surfing spot of Panama. (laughs) So that's what we did on our days off. Oh so we my chased, god! Right? Oh yeah, it was it was magical. And um, yeah, and spider monkeys. I, I, a little. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but spider monkeys. The females have a uh, hypertrophied clitoris. So they're. No, I yes. do not know mm, that. yeah. But spider monkeys have a very large clit, or very long clitoris. That I remember the first time I ever saw a spider monkey, I thought, oh, look at that male, and then I was quickly schooled. No, that is a female, and it really helped us because males and females. There's not a lot of sexual dimorphism. In terms of size, meaning the males and females are very similar in size in spider monkeys.
0: Mm-hmm side note, spider monkeys live up to eight stories high in the rainforest canopies. And at first, I was getting them confused with those tiny little pygmy marmosets, which are like the size of a tarantula. But no, spider monkeys, they're not the itty bitty thumb huggers. Rather, they're about a meter tall, weighing in at about 25 pounds. They're just named spider monkeys because of their long limbs and other long stuff.
1: And so it helped me if I saw a spider monkey in the distance, I could see the dangler just sort of protruding from her undercarriage and be like, that there is a female. And luckily the data, they're they're all in maps and they've been able to use basically these maps to help reforest that area. And it's gotten better. And I heard that monkeys are actually, there's more coming back in different parts of the region. So I'm planning on going back when things are better to see if there's any more work that can be done.
0: So why do some humans walk through a jungle looking up at other primates, just mechanically speaking? And walking upright versus not walking upright. What led to us standing up and having back pain? <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> having really crappy knees, yeah,
0: uh- <laughs> painful childbirth and just- right?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, painful childbirth. that's that's that big old brain of ours. Um, but walking upright there. so there are, are a few different theories that could work in tandem or separately, or that's the thing about, Coming up with evolutionary theories is we don't necessarily know for sure, but with when it comes to being bipedal, there's this idea that as, you know, um, the climate was changing in different parts of Africa, it would behoove those ancestors of ours to stand upright so they could see any predator, say, in the area um, or they could, you know, um, hold things, for instance, like their offspring. So there's a benefit to standing upright for predator avoidance, for being able to, you know, hold and carry things, especially if they're gathering food items. Um, Also, uh, thermodynamics and thermoregulation, basically the idea that if you're on all fours and you're living in an area where you don't have any shade, you're getting all that sun on your back. And standing upright limits the amount of sun exposure that you're getting. So it would not be beating down, uh, just, you know, beating down on your head head, not your whole uh, back. And at this point, we're assuming that also we still have fur covering our bodies. Um, it's not exactly known exactly when all that went away because soft tissue, unfortunately, does not preserve. hmm I mean, some of us lost
0: all of our I, hair some <laughs> of us are italian
1: so i know <laughs> i didn't know what to say i was like um some some people did not lose very yeah. much at all um i'm scottish so i don't know about you Allie. I, I and i don't know if it's a scottish thing necessarily but i am hairy i have done multiple rounds of laser oh. hair removal oh Whole all body. over my body pretty much oh yeah really oh yeah
0: some people are hairier than others. And also just dad word here to say no matter what your gender or how you look or what you're into, it's a-okay. It's more than a-okay. It's the result of millions of years of sexual selection and survival. And it's just beautiful. But what about what about the sexual nature of butts? Why Buts. do you think we look at them
1: so much? That's a great question. For instance, dudes or even ladies find the uh, keister nice and attractive is the hip to waist ratio. It was long thought that the hip to waist ratio was associated with fertility. And they found that actually it's not. Those that have a lower hip to waist ratio are not necessarily healthier or have higher fertility. So that's kind of a myth. But it's still something that some will find more attractive. But again, I think what really needs to be stressed is there, there are cultural differences over, you know, across the world. Mm-hmm. Certain things are considered more attractive in certain places. Some things are considered taboo.
0: Some psychologists hypothesize that our own butts are a part of our body that we can't see or judge. So maybe there's something forbidden with looking at other's derriers when they themselves hardly know. But alas, hello, mirrors. Okay, so what are some other theories?
1: Honestly, many have surmised that the roundness is very attractive, including some people say that the breasts mimic the actual butt. Mm. Uh, And it's, yeah, I mean, it's to be determined exactly what came first in terms of the amount of fat surrounding the mammary gland, which is why we have uh, boobs versus non-human primates. They lactate, they, you know, have mammary glands, but they don't have the fat surrounding them like we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But boobs and butts are similar in the fact that they're kind of in this rounded fashion. I don't know exactly when that happened, when it became like, ooh, That's, I like that supple posterior you got going on there. Mm -hmm. But I think it's something to do with the roundness and then also knowing what that entails. Uh, Because if you think about it, as we were evolving from being on all fours to two legs, uh, the sexual swellings were no longer visible. Mm -hmm. And so they were now being hidden by, uh, well, just the butt and you know (laughs) just the legs everything is kind of just like uh, compact in there which we'll get to when we talk about why we are the only animals that technically wipe too oh Uh, so many questions about that. oh i know right and i've talked about this before there's certain groups that not idolize but fetishize or prefer booties to boobs or different body parts and things like that but i think there's something to be said for just kind of knowing what that entails and what it's hiding and that sort of thing
0: When it comes to the actual shape or the size of a booty, why do some people have shapely butts? Others feel
1: like they have pancake butts.
0: Is it all just muscle development?
1: Well, that's a great question. It's muscle and fat. And the fat oftentimes is influenced by the amount of hormones that you have in your body. And in all this talk of genders, of
0: course, in nature, things are on a spectrum. There's so much variety. And so I see you out there, non-binary friends, trans buddies, and anyone who's on hormones medically, which are a lot of us, just saying, giving you a thumbs up.
1: Now, males and females distribute fat differently sometimes depending on what the amount of hormones that are going on in their body. Now, there aren't necessarily male and female hormones. People say, oh, testosterone, that's a male hormone. No, females have testosterone, males have estrogen. Females have more estrogen on average, and therefore that is basically the determinant on where the fat is localized on the body. Mm -hmm. So hips- Uh, thighs, butt, and with males and testosterone, it's usually associated with belly fat, which can be unfortunately associated with cardiovascular health, because that can be really hard on the organs to have so much uh, fat in that region. But fat in the buttocks and the thighs Um, The hips is usually where those with higher amounts of estrogen will carry that extra fat. And that's a good place also because it's, uh, you know, as far as balance and not tipping over or anything like that, it doesn't make you too top heavy. Mm -hmm. It's a good center uh, to have all that fat and it's a good place to store it because in in times of, for instance, if, you know, when we were evolving, if perhaps you didn't have a lot of, um, there was no Del Taco or Mm -hmm. McDonald's (laughs) on the, you know, the Savannah corner, it's good to have fat reserves just in case, in case you hit. Famine or any sort of times of low resource availability, essentially, Uh, and that's a great place to store the fat reserves. We still see it, you know, today. People distribute fat differently, and that's why, you know, if if I have friends that have transitioned and they see fat distribution change because Mm -hmm. they are getting different hormones, and so that's you know a kind of a clear way we can see. Oh, okay, hormones do really determine how fat distributes. On your body, so it's a mixture of uh, obviously, if you do a lot of squats and do running and donkey kicks and all those things, you can build up your glutes, uh, your gluteus maximus, medius, and minimus muscles. But um, sometimes it's just your hormones, and you can't necessarily change that unless you, you know, try to alter it synthetically.
0: When it comes to different parts of the globe, as people move farther away from the equator, was fat distributed differently in their bodies
1: to keep warm? How does that work? Fantastic question. Because there's Allen's and Bergman's rules, which are these two different rules that associate limb proportion and... Trunk proportion with actual latitude or temperature. Two different rules that uh, are associated with limb proportion and also trunk size in people or animals in different latitudes and uh, in, in temperature environments. So, Alan's rule has to do with limb proportion. So, for instance, if you're living closer to the equator where it's really hot, you're going to have longer, leaner limbs. If you're living you know, further away from the equator in higher latitudes or really low latitudes, you're going to have shorter limbs to kind of keep in that warmth. And same with Bergman's rules, which is about trunk size and kind of, you know, kind of stockiness. If you're higher up in the latitude or low, low, you're going to have kind of a stockier build and closer to the equator, you're going to be more lean. So these are ways that we can sort of adapt to the environment. But we should note that biological evolution happens a lot slower than cultural evolution. So we're seeing a lot of different body types from all over the world that you know weren't there until recently. It's hard to kind of determine like, oh, they look this way because they've been here for thousands upon thousands of years mm-hmm. uh, because people are moving around the globe so freely now. So that's something to consider as well.
0: And when it comes to butts and modern butts, Now that we are moving freely about the globe, we can inject things into and on top of our butts. Are we seeing a lot of butt implants, do you think, lately? Or do people just take fat from one area of their body and put it over their butt muscle? I remember Kim Kardashian, like... Saying she did not have butt implants and she'd prove it by getting an x-ray. She's like, see, it's all me. But then I heard that there are cosmetic procedures where you just take parts of your fat and you can put it in your boobs or reallocate it to your butt.
1: And I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, I actually didn't. I always wanted to do that as a child. I... (laughs) And that's kind of it speaks to how screwed up our culture is. But I re I remember being like, I I, you know, had little, little chubby belly as a kid. And I was like, I just want to put it where my boobs should be. (laughs) But yeah, you you can do that. I know uh women who've done that for like breast reconstruction, reconstructive surgery. Uh there's also been butt lifts. So there have been butt implants and Mm -hmm. butt lifts. And then of course, I I don't well, I don't know if you've heard of this. There was a woman that got. Something injected into her butt. I know this sounds mm-hmm. dirtier than it really should be, but it was like a mixture of it was supposed to be like a saline solution, but it was like basically this kind of grifter put together this weird solution and just sh- injected into this woman's butt. And she got really sick and like sepsis, like because it was, it got infected and all sorts of things. So <gasps> people will go to great lengths to have a, a sweet apple bottom, you know? Mm-hmm. I hate that there is such a, sort of, I don't know, uh, pressure on everybody to succumb or look a certain way. And especially because, let's face it, there's been so many fluctuations of what body type is in, which is dumb mm. to begin with. But, you know, come on now. You yeah. shouldn't have to inject your butt with – I can't even remember. It was, it was a weird solution of stuff that I was like, wait a minute. Okay. I look this up and people
0: have injected all kinds of stuff, including cement, super glue, mineral oil, even fix-a-flat tire mender. And in one Florida instance, all of those things in one injection. And then, of course, there is the Brazilian butt lift, which I just found out in researching this episode. It's a fat transfer from one area of your body. Like perhaps you sacrifice your cute muffin top region and put it into the posterior. And one plastic surgeon I read about online calls it transferring your money from one pocket to the other. But it's also one of the riskiest plastic surgeries, meaning, yes, you'll shell out upwards of 10 grand, but it may also cost you your life.
1: No, I'm a big believer, honestly, again, and I'm glad you said that. I'm a big believer if if it would make you happy, then do it. I don't care if women... I mean, or anybody get any sort of thing done to themselves that brings them joy. Mm-hmm. I just hate that it's something that seems to be cyclical sometimes. And in which case, I uh, things like this should not be fads. Um, I would hope not only because I feel like that, you know, what about what if butts go back out and all of a sudden you've got, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> butts are never going to go out. Let's just be real. They're
0: never going to go out. But you just have to love the butt you've got.
1: Yes. Love your butt. I made a video called Love Your Butt. It's time. it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to love your butt. Okay, so
0: that video was about colonoscopies. But if you need some freedom from beauty culture standards, may I suggest the two-parter on Colology with Dr. Renee Engel? I'll link it on my website because your butt is working itself off to keep you balanced and comfy and you owe it all the love in the world. It's the butt that's closest to you at all times, and you can touch it whenever you want, so you might as well just love
1: it. If Ulf Ulf Buck, the clairvoyant rumpologist, can't touch your butt, you can. Yes. (laughs) And predict your future, which is, you're just going to keep loving it, you know?
0: You know, you mentioned, speaking of touching our own butts, we're forced to, (laughs) by necessity, human beings wiping their bottoms. Do other animals do this? What? We have our onuses <laughs> so well ensconced in our butt cheeks. What's going on?
1: Well, I mean, walking on two legs is what really makes it tough. And you kind of have to wipe because otherwise, if you can imagine pooping and then just standing right up. Mm-mm. Things yeah. slam shut again and it's just, it gets real foul, real foul, real quick. And so, yeah, the, the way our mode of locomotion really does kind of uh, sort of influence whether or not we should be wiping or not. And so, for instance, a lot of non-human primates, they don't, you know, I mean, let's be real. I've been shit on by, excuse me, I've been crapped on by more monkeys than I'm really happy to admit. And all they have to do is just let it rip right over my head and they don't have to wipe. In fact, I've watched them just kind of go about their business right after pooping on me. Rude. Really? Rude.
0: They don't even grab a leaf or anything?
1: Nothing. 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 I've seen nothing like that, like where they either rub it on a branch. I wonder actually, honestly, if there was parasites or things like that, if maybe they had parasites, if they would maybe scratch their booty on a branch because something itched or something. That might be a possibility, but a lot of other animals, you know, the quadrupedal animals don't necessarily have to do that. And we all know the cats and dogs of the world, you know, just go to town on that and play the quote unquote cello. Um, You know, the butthole is the information superhighway of the animal kingdom. Um, Let's be real. That's where we get all our information. So you don't want it too clean because how else are you going to know where Mr. Mittens has been all day?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I was just audience to and bore witness to my own dog uh, having a deep conversation with her butthole today. Just a fun, disgusting side note. If your dog is a real butt licker, you might be able to relieve that by learning to express its anal glands, which might be itchy for them, or taking it to a vet or a groomer or a professional who can do this stinky deed for you. Trust me, it's the worst smell I've ever smelled. But other animals, I feel like they just, they're good. They're done. They walk away from it. But part of it is is because they don't quite have the meat on the butts that we do.
1: Yeah, exactly. I live next to a bus depot, and I have these four bus depot cats that just hang out on my porch, and Mm -hmm. I see their buttholes every day. You know what I mean? If I want to show you my butthole, I'm not going to show you my butthole, Allie, don't worry. Um, I have to spread them, if you know what I mean. And that is a reason why I have to wipe, and my bus depot cats and Grammy do not. What about bidets? Have you – I haven't lived anywhere other than
0: the United States, but I, so I don't know where bidets are necessarily. But any thoughts on why humans don't use them more, why American humans don't use them
1: more? Because we are lazy. Okay. Uh, no, I, I think bidets actually were getting more popular during the beginning of quarantine because – remember that toilet paper –
0: Crash. Oh, yeah. where we all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I know a lot of people who got like the tush. The, I don't know what it's called. Like the Oh, it's a tushy. Or, I have one. Yeah. Oh, you oh, do. Yeah. Okay. I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're. I mean, they're great, right? Yeah. It's warm. It gets you right. Bullseye. You know what I mean? <laughs> Woo! Hey, <laughs> buy me dinner first. Um <laughs> No. So I'm gonna tell a personal story, if you don't mind. Um, Please do. Okay. So uh, a few. No, oh, it wasn't even a few. It was ten years ago. I was, uh, I was young. I just graduated from grad school, and something didn't feel right down there, Allie. Mm-hmm. So I went to a proctologist, <laughs> and I kid you not, my intake nurse was the most attractive male nurse oh. I've ever met. And I had to tell him about my bowel movements, my oh. my butthole, and all the stuff. And I was like, this is awful, but I told him all the things, and I went in, and I went to go see the female. Proctologist who was probably my age, actually. She was I, you know, she was young. She was she was really cool and nice. And, you know, when you go to a proctologist, you lay on the table and you lay on your side and you she she kind of spreads them and she looks and she goes, Oh, your butt's too clean. What? Yeah. And I said, Excuse me. She goes, Your butt's too clean. She goes, You you, you use those baby wipes, don't you? <gasps> and I said, Yeah. And she goes, Yeah, it's a huge problem these days because people are using the baby wipes so much that they're drying out. Oh, their booty hole. Oh yeah. my God. So there, so she suggested and I, and, and listeners at home <laughs> want to try this. I've actually, I've taught this method to a few friends of mine because it, it makes me happy. Um, You can use like a, a, a very calm, fragrance-free chemical light uh, moisturizer as a way to create your own baby wipe With toilet paper, (gasps) if you don't have access to a bidet, life hack.
0: Good to know. Also, those wipes terrible for the sewer systems. Yes. I mean, fatbergs. Have you heard of the fatbergs that are happening? Wait, what? Oh, there are clogs of wipes. And oh, no. congealed fat that has gotten hard in the cold depths of the sewers. There was one the size of a oh school bus What? in the sewers of London. They call them fatbergs. And wipes are mostly to blame. So you heard it here first. Yes, it's it's true. I forgot what episode I mentioned it in, but I went down some real holes, if you will, looking at pictures of fatbergs and they are just what you'd expect. They're revolting.
1: So the fat is from, I would assume, like bacon fat, grease, Mm -hmm. things of that. Oh, my God. I know. I know. But that's so
0: good to know. Everyone has an alternative now and we all appreciate that. Who could? Who doesn't appreciate that? This is right. amazing. Um, I have so many questions from listeners. Can I yes. lightning round you? Oh, okay, yeah, of course. Are you excited? Yes. Oh, by the way, can I just say trivia? I do have a buttload mm-hmm. of questions, but I found out recently <laughs> that a buttload is an actual measurement. Did you know that? Yeah. I think like 120 gallons of wine <laughs> is a buttload of wine.
1: <laughs> it's so good. I love yeah no that makes me happy when things like that actually have real scientific merit I'm like yes. oh okay
0: yes yeah, like a bunghole is a hole in a barrel I got to sniff a bunghole and it smelled
1: delicious <laughs> bunghole, bunghole, bunghole. Allie will you stop talking to me about your bunghole okay <laughs> I'm so sorry okay okay questions
0: from patrons yes which also remind me of where you'd like me to donate for this episode whatever your charity of your choosing Um. Ooh. okay A few people, several people had questions about the largest butts. And Emily A phrased it, what animal has the biggest bedonk? Sammy Baker said, very, very important question, which animal has the thickest donk? But before we get to your questions, a word about sponsors of the show, who you may hear about soon. They enable us to make a donation each week. And Natalia chose ProjectChimps.org, which gives former research chimpanzees a new lease on life at a sanctuary in the mountains of Georgia. And Natalia says that she actually did a segment there with Star Talk and became buds with Gertrude, who she now sponsors. Natalia says that Gertrude, quote, did fling her poop at me and now we are forever shit sisters or shitsters, quote. So we were able to fling some money their way thanks to the following sponsors. Okay, let's get back to that question, which was also asked by Chris Moore and Jesse Lorch. Um, So yes, the strongest and biggest badonks and why, hmm. would it be an elephant or would you say that there's another animal that has bigger haunches?
1: Well, was, so was, my question is biggest bedonk to body size? Because I would say biggest bedonk to body size uh, uh, when it comes to glute size and all that kind of stuff, I would say humans are up there. Yes. <laughs> uh, there was a woman that I actually, because I did a little bit of research that had a 99 inch hip Ooh. circumference, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very large bedonk, and she was very proud of it and which I say, yes. Yeah. Be very proud of that. (laughs) You made that. Yeah. Um, Because we have this fat specifically around the butt in women specifically, that's where you get the real thickness, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, Talia Dunyak wants to know, do fish have a butt? That's a great question. Fish, as far as I know, do not have a butt. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's sad. It just, yeah, I'm just, they're buttless. Fimba Wim wants to know which booty is best, wombat or corgi. Dory B says, mm. corgi butts versus Frenchies. Is there a particular dog butt that you think
1: is best or, or an animal butt that you find is best? Mm, look, I've seen a lot of uh, Boston Terriers poop. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never seen the look of almost shame in their eyes with the quivering legs as they poop. For some reason, a Boston Terrier really sticks out to me as having a, a, a very strong, lean butt mm-hmm. with a very uh, controlled pooping uh, mechanism. I don't know. I, I, they really stand out to me for some reason. Corgis, their fur butt, um, the the fact that they're wearing fur pants, I find to be mm. really respectful. Um, what butts do I really get behind? When I did field work, we rode horses, and I always had the farting horse. I had Sababa. And... Um, Yeah, she would fart a ton, and I always found that to be hilarious.
0: It never gets old.
1: Mandy Smith, Daniel
0: Donaldson, Erica Gonzalez, Lulu Hall, Ashley Brown, Becky the Sassy Seagrass Scientist, R.J. Doidge, and Renee Parsonage, who's a first-time question asker. Everyone wanted to know, in Renee's words, why don't humans sniff each other's butts like dogs? Why don't we sniff it?
1: That's it's, it's a very good question. Um, funny enough, I just actually lectured about this today, The um, our decreased olfaction senses. I think that probably has something to do with it. Our, our, our sense of smell is not what it, it- you know, <clears throat> has been in the past. Just trying to think of spider monkeys, if I've seen a lot of smelling of butts. I have seen it in other non-human primates. Um, I've, I, I watched two langurs, which are columbines, these type of monkeys that you'll see. These were from India specifically, but they were they were really playing with each other's uh, tuchuses. Lots mm-hmm. of smelling, a lots of uh, finger and tasting. Mm. Um, yeah, which I thought was kind of like, Okay, this mm. is very intimate. And also, let's be very clear, again, back to the butt cheeks and back to the crack. Our butthole is not really out and proud. You know, if, again, if I want to sniff someone's butt cheek, I got to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> it is not exposed like, say, a cat or a dog. That's not to say if it was exposed, I would be up in it. Uh, I think it's a mixture of the um, decreased olfaction and also perhaps the um, lack of accessibility. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That makes some sense.
0: I Recognize your sin.
1: I'm not 100% sure. And we might not ever know the answer, Allie. And there probably are. I mean, I don't want to kink shame, but there's probably some people out there that that is their thing. That 100%
0: yes. And Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that if it makes sense. To you now. This one was also asked by patrons: Belint Novak, first-time question asker Claudia Dana, Sam F, Kida Zirandi, Stephanie T, and Renee Malara. Daisy Goldstein, Cross, and a few others wanted to know why the hair up in there.
1: Great question. Uh, So one of the thoughts uh, of why we have hair between our butt cheeks is maybe to decrease the friction when we walk. Perhaps that makes it not as uncomfortable. We Mm. also have, you know, hair in. Kind of our, our nooks and crannies, our armpits, our pubis. So this might just be sort of a, a leftover that's like, ah, why not? <laughs> it's just, and we all know that there's different very, there's different varying degrees of how much hair. Um, I've seen some butts that I'm pretty sure I thought it was they had a sweater on <laughs> their backside, and that's okay. Point being, yes, uh, there are perhaps reasons to kind of again make it so it's not. So, you know, frictiony and, and sweaty and, and hair often, you know, like that's why you have hair in your nose to kind of keep certain, you know, bacteria and things out of there. Mm. Um, not that there's a bunch of bacteria trying directly to get into your tucus, but you never can be too yeah. sure. I have a very specific question that is yes.
0: only applicable to one person, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And yes. Rebecca Prater wants to know, I may have spent too much time studying this, but why does one of my butt cheeks make a louder sound when it's slapped? The right one echoes for miles and the left one is just a dull thud. Is that normal for people to have a dominant butt cheek? And Zwelf Juniper said, please do not overlook the genius of this question.
1: Any idea? It, is, it is so good. I wonder, she doesn't mention if one's bigger than the other, does she? Okay, so as the scientist in me is asking okay, who's slapping? Are they slapping at the same spot? Are they slapping, you know, with the same amount of force? We need to do a real experiment with controls and everything to make sure that this is done right. And I think maybe we can reach out to her to see if we can possibly do that uh, if she's comfortable with that. Yeah. Because I don't know off the top of my head why. We'll get our team on it and we'll
0: touch base. We'll slap base. Oh, Okay. Kyle Pollack says, first time question asker, and I can't believe this is the first question I'm asking, I once saw a person who had a hole slash indentation at the top of their butt crack. What was up with that? And Ellie Radage says, I have a butt indent too, right at the top of the crack. Answers, please. First time commenter. And I might have a butt like- I'm touching mine right now. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like my crack stops and then like starts again. And for a while I
1: was like, did I have a tail that they removed or something? Ali, do you have a? So I have a pronounced. I was. I didn't bring it up because I didn't. Uh, f- 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 but my tailbone's too long, so oh. I actually have. I have a. I have a nubbin. I mean, I know that sounds. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's great, but it also it means sitting can be really painful, and also falling on my tailbone is really <sighs> painful. But does yours feel like it project or like pro, you know, like kind of no, projects out? It just. It feels just, like my butt crack says we're done. Oh. Oh. oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Is that a thing? Hmm. I guess that's a thing. I I will say, again, Jackie Stallone, she seems to have some strong opinions about the cleft of one's butt.
0: You know me. Okay, usually I'd wait for an aside to delve into further research, but Natalia and I were having a vulnerable moment, and I needed to know if my butt was weird ASAP. Oh, it's called a sacral dimple. It's an indentation or a pit in the skin of the lower back above the crease between the buttocks. It's present at birth. Yeah. It's a sacral dimple. It's I'm going to say it's a sacred dimple. Thank you that very much. That is great. Much. If anyone wants to know wow. what my bare butt looks like,
1: it's a di- it's a dimple. It's okay. I have butt dimples.
0: Yeah. I don't have any dimples on my actual butt, but I do have like back dimples.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. The ones that are on the um, – yeah. right above it. Yes. Yes, yes. yes. They're
0: called dimples of Venus apparently. Yes.
1: Right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. Maybe it's just you got back dimples. Nothing to worry about. Okay, so a sacral dimple is when you have a staccato butt crack that is like, hello, I'm not done, a little more of me. And dimples of Venus are the ones on the lower back that look kind of like violin F holes. And I just learned that some people get dimples of Venus surgically added, which is flattering to me the same way that other people's perms are, because I had this shit from birth. Also, in researching the sacral dimples, though, I downloaded this medical study about what they can signify in terms of spinal development and newborns, and this week was really busy. I'm also getting a refi on my mortgage. If you must know, interest rates are very low. Look into it, folks. Anywho, I had to send a bunch of financial statements to the bank, and I was about to hit send, honestly, like a millisecond before, and I realized that one PDF I attached in email was not, in fact, my tax returns from last year, but it was the PDF about baby's butt cracks, complete with a lot of full-color clinical photos and tiny spread cheeks, and I have thought about it so often since last week, and I shudder every time, and we can't. Let's move on. Okay, so Mary Salato asks, so I have a booty, but I feel like it doesn't provide much cushion. It makes pants finding a pain, but I can still feel my pelvis, question mark, grinding into the pavement when I pop a squat on the curb. What's even the point? So a lot of people wanted to know, (laughs) like Kate Salveson wants to know, why do they hurt after sitting on them forever? Why do our butts hurt? Other patrons had this question, including Zombat, Asia Yeager, Kate Salveson, Rachel Amison, Rachel Moore, Rachel... Both of you have the word ache right in your name. Let's talk about it.
1: So as far as the why does it hurt when you put your butt on the pavement, I wonder if they have a similar problem like I do in terms of the the tailbone that for some reason my coccyx doesn't quite curve under the way it should. It's like it sort of sticks out. So it's it really serves no purpose. Like I have this booty, but then if I sit on someone's lap, they're immediately annoyed because <laughs> they, they feel like they're being, you know... Stab, Yeah, exactly. I I've, trust me. I'm like, I've had enough people be like, ah, get off me. Yeah. You know, which is not the, not the response you usually want to get. But as far as why, why your butt will hurt over time. So there are reasons why, I mean, sciatica is one of the big reasons why you have pain in, pain in your butt, literally. Michelle Chick wants to know, first time
0: question asker, if fat provides insulation, why does my well insulated in Quotes, but get so much colder so much sooner than the rest of my body when I go out for a walk on a chilly night. Any idea why butts can get so cold? Have you ever have you ever been like, yes. why is my butt cold? And then you yeah. feel freezing.
1: I think it's because, I mean, the core temp, like your your core, all the heat kind of stays in the core, like in your main cavity of organs, mm-hmm. and your butt is kind of just let left out to dry <laughs> or get very cold. That's a great question. We are not butt doctors, and yeah, though there's typically a significant layer of fat over the glutes, fat. Is an active tissue that does not generate heat. Oh, okay. Oh. So maybe the fat, yeah. So fat also has very few blood vessels in it. So while you're running, circulation to your muscles increases, but not to your fat. That tissue would actually cool down when exposed to the cold. Rude. Oh. Wow. Okay. So Amazing. that, okay. There we go. See? Um, <laughs> I have a few more yes. lightning
0: round questions. A few people had questions in the realm of. Hannah Roche plainly says, butt sex. Why are humans into it? Are there other animals into it? Bryce, Ryan Clark, Malia Holland, and Ray Moore all asked, other primates into that too?
1: Animals will put their ding dong in pretty much anything they can. (laughs) Um, It's pretty common. to put your ding dong in many orifices and yes the butthole is one of them i mean then again honestly i've seen copulations in the field but it's so far spider monkeys are so far up i don't know what hole they're putting it in i'm assuming it's (laughs) The vagina, but I don't know. Um, But we do see, for instance, a lot of uh, homosexual activity in the animal kingdom. There's been at least 1,500 documented species that have engaged in homosexual uh, encounters. That doesn't necessarily mean, again, like that they identify as gay. It just means, you know, again, it really demonstrates the fluidity of sexuality. Mm -hmm. For instance, lions will... um, engage in a little spooning and sporking and forking of the same Mm. sex. And you'll see it in uh, multiple species of animal buffalo, putting the bi in bison. (laughs) Um, They'll go through uh, usually phases or periods of time where they uh, have a lot of homosexual encounters with other uh, male bison. So yeah, I mean, we're definitely not the only species that enjoys uh, a little, um, you know, uh, rump action, if you know what I mean. That's wonderful to know. What a celebration.
0: Just do what
1: you want. As long as it's a consensual situation, do whatever you like. Yeah. Whatever feels good. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, and and I think for humans, just make sure, you know, everybody's consenting and uh, lubrication is key, kids. (laughs) If you love it, lube it. A lot of people
0: squatty potty questions. Is it free slam or is it actually best? So many of you, including Jeffrey Bradshaw, Rachel Drips Flint, Lee Guyberson, Kelly Brockenton, Sarah Pezos, Ms. Pie, Maggie Fraser, Christina Hernandez, and Lisa Ma.
1: That's a good question. Uh no, seriously, I've uh you know talked to a lot of doctors and uh, you know other biological anthropologists, and it's absolutely a much better way to do the pooping. <gasps> um yeah, because it really does. I mean, I'm I, so I, having done field work, I have popped squats <laughs> all over the place and even just living in New York City. Um, that's not to say I poop on street corners, but, um, <laughs> you know, you get desperate and, oh, look, a corner. Um, you will pee. But- <laughs> For pooping, it really does – you do feel the difference when you're actually squatting versus sitting on a toilet. Um, so, yes, it kind of does – it talks about unkinking the col- colon. It really does sort of allow the colon to have the proper flow oh. to get the poop out. And also, I don't know about you, but, like, there's always those um, poops that you're like, that was like a one wiper. You know, I feel like <laughs> they increase with the squatty potty where you're like, oh, that wasn't messy and disgusting. I feel better. Um I'm maybe a little TMI, but, you know. Hey,
0: we're all friends here. It's Friday night.
1: amazing. That's so
0: good. And you know what? I'm sure that if our dogs use toilets, they might need a little more help in that department. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Final Patreon question was asked by 16 people. (laughs) In the same... Exactly the same verbiage. Christina Totorolo, Adam Smith, James Hales, Luke, Verity Mathis, Kelly Brockington, Nathan Algroom, Thimblewim, Ashra Kolodhar, Mia Kolarat, That American Claire, I think some other people, all want to know, is butt legs? <laughs> I love your patrons so much. Apparently there's a lot of internet chatter started on Judge John Hodgman's podcast. <laughs> and um, yeah,
1: is butt legs? I don't think butts are legs technically because I think they're more part of the trunk. I mean, like they're more, I mean, like I've, I see legs. So I, that's funny that you say that. My best friend and I came up with a term when we were what, 12? We called it the blag. And that's where the <laughs> butt meets the leg. So I call that the blag. And so I feel like the the legs begin at the blag, which is where the butt technically ends and the legs I feel like technically begin because I feel like, you know, the fact that, you know the butt is is still very much on the trunk. I don't know where your butt crack is. I mean, I, everyone has, as Jacqueline Stallone has pointed out to me, <laughs> varying great varying lengths and widths of butt cracks. Um, if I went where my butt crack ended, I mean that's very much still my 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 front butt. Um, and I I'd like to think those that was not legs. You know what I mean?
0: So if you have a butt crack, just think of what's on the other side of it through your body and ask yourself, is that legs? right? We have our answer. This is why Natalia is a gluteologist, and we're not.
1: So I I personally am the believer that the butt is is not legs, but the blag is a thing. Maybe? The underboob is like the blag, you know? And I I feel like blag, I mean, you remember when, it's like when, I I always wonder if like uh, boob became a thing and then side boob, and it's like, you never see like underball becoming a thing or the blag, the blag kind of.
0: I feel like you need to have an action comedy called grundle and (laughs) blags the unsung undercarriages the starring chode mcdaniels (laughs) greenlit (laughs) sold yes oh my god um and i always have to ask although i can't imagine but the worst thing about butts
1: what sucks butts I wish that I knew everything about butts. That's the thing that bothers me the most. That was like my biggest like sadness going into this, this podcast was like, you know, I'm going to get questions I don't know. And I'm going to feel like, will I ever get behind <laughs> knowing everything about the behind? You know, I, I want to... Also bring attention to, to loving your butt no matter what, you know? And we mm. kind of touched on this a little bit before, but like, you know, the ass-less and the ass-full need to kind of come together mm-hmm. and, and reach across <laughs> the crack that separates us. What about your favorite thing? What about your favorite thing about what but? you get to do? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I Well, I love breaking things down where, you know, you, you can... I laugh every time I read a peer-reviewed article, even the ones that I really shouldn't be laughing about. It's such an honor to be able to take the science that I I know about and I'm learning about and will continue to learn about and break it down in a way that will make people do a spit take and laugh. Um, Because for me, that's that's key because that's the way you kind of remember stuff, right? Um, And for me, like, again, I I think – anthropology my field is a really cool field because it really looks at what makes us human and what makes us so unique compared to other species but also realizing we're not so unique after all you know Mm. but also using what we we know about our species to kind of hopefully make us better people you know and just make us hopefully a little bit more tolerant and and kind especially when we look at things like human variation and stuff like that whether it's color of our skin our sexuality our gender our butts Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything and everything you know kind of just sort of boiling it down to to make people realize that we're all just kind of i mean in a way um we're all in this together Mm -hmm. butts and all
0: (laughs) you know yeah no if ands or butts wonderful So ask smart people, not smart questions, because there's an expert for everything and their knowledge might change the way you look at your own butt. So for more of Natalia Reagan, she is on Twitter and Instagram at Natalia13Reagan. She's on TikTok at Behold Natalia. There will also be links in the show notes to that and her website, as well as where the donation went. Also links in the show notes to free transcripts. Bleeped episodes, as well as every episode we've ever done, sorted by topic, are up at com. You can follow us if you like at ologies. I'm at Allie Ward with one L. Uh, ologies merch is available at com too. Thank you, Bonnie Dutch and Shannon Fultis, for managing that. Thank you, erin Talbert, for adminning the ologies podcast Facebook group. Thank you to all the patrons at patreon.com slash ologies. You can join for as little as a dollar a month and submit questions to ologists. Thank you, Emily White and all the transcribers for making episode transcripts available to everyone. Thank you to Caleb Patton for bleeping episodes. Thanks, Noelle Dilworth, for helping schedule the interviews. Thank you to assistant editor and all around major help, Jarrett Sleeper, And of course, the man who is never the butt of a joke, Steve Marie Morris. He is wonderful. He hosts the Percast, See Jurassic Right, and everything but the movie, a Star Wars books podcast, which just came out. Nick Thorburn did the theme music. And if you stick around to the end, you know I tell you a secret. And I can't remember if I've shared this but it's a fun life hack to do. If it's someone's birthday, go ahead before you see them, write the words happy and birthday on each butt cheek with a Sharpie. And then at some point, just casually moon them. They'll be so surprised and happy. This is especially useful for socially distanced celebrations. Um, The other secret I will tell you is that I am recording these asides in an idling car, an idling rental car, just outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm here shooting Innovation Nation the camera crew is setting up inside i'm recording these before i shoot and sending them and then i'm hopping a flight please tell your butt it's beautiful for me but not do it in a cute nice way and not in a creepy way i'm not about that okay bye But dance again, like the rhythm's down your pants now.